So even as the ushers are uh, coming down, down the row, if you guys want to open with me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Again, this is three weeks in a row. We're in Matthew chapter 13. And let me tell you, I tried to get out of this one this week. I was trying to say, okay, maybe we can take a left turn or a right turn. And the Lord said, no, this is where we need to be this morning. So Matthew chapter 13, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. And once again, we're going to visit the kingdom of heaven and take a look at one of the parables Jesus used to teach us about that. So Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read a few verses starting in verse 47. In verse 47, he says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. How's that for an encouraging word? Now you see how I was trying to get out of it. I said, really, Lord, is this really what you... (laughs) But there's a lot more in this parable than we initially see just by the surface level. What we're going to find in, in this parable about the kingdom of heaven is this. There's an invitation here. The Lord is inviting us to partner with him. He wants to empower us and invite us into the work of building and advancing his kingdom. That's what we're going to find. But the truth is, most of the attention, if you, if you look up um, in the, in, through uh, commentaries or even sermons online, a lot of the attention is all put on the last verse there. The separating of the good and the evil. And you, these guys going over here to the blazing furnace that lasts for all of eternity. And then these guys go to be with Jesus. Yay. The truth is that there is going to be a separation. It says that very clearly. And the one way we can look at... So there's two different ways to look at this parable. The one way that we can look at this is the symbolism of the fish. And we all are kind of being caught up in this net. And there will be a time of separation of good and bad. So that time is going to come to pass and we know this. It also, it's another place in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We know that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and this is why especially we're grateful for that communion and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because now, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us with our own righteousness, that's hopelessness. He sees us with the righteousness of Christ. And so when we stand before that judgment seat, God the Father sees the righteousness of Christ. And we will be with him in paradise forever. But now, remember, this parable is about the kingdom of heaven. This is the subject of the parable, the kingdom of heaven. Does anyone remember how last week we defined the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Wow, great memory. Wow. <laughs> it was. So the kingdom of God, it's been defined this way. It's the realm where the will of God is reality. It's not something talked about and just thought and dreamt up. It's the realm where that's the reality. So this is what this parable is about. Yes, there's a separating, but God does not will that anyone should perish. 
Probably most of us in here have John 3.16 memorized or have heard it enough times, backwards, forwards, and every, every way in between. God sent his one and only son so that none would perish, but all would have eternal life. God, yes, there's going to be this separation, but God does not will that anyone should, be, should perish and go to this place of gnashing and teeth. He didn't create us so he can say, oh, okay, you're going to go get your teeth gnashed for all of eternity, and you guys can come with me. That's not the kind of God that we serve. Picture it this way. The kingdom of heaven is this realm where the, rea- where, where the will of God is reality. This is where God wants us. He wills us to be in this place. And now he has chosen us. He's gone He's given everything up that he could possibly give in order to bring us into this place. He's done everything he can do. He's already chosen us, and it's already done. He wills and wants you to be here with every fiber of his being. But now there's a choice for us. Because he doesn't just choose us. We have to choose him and accept what he has offered to us. If we're choosing not to live in this realm where the will of God is reality... Well, the truth is, there's only one other place to exist. That's outside that realm, outside the will of God. In other words, outside the kingdom of heaven. We choose if we're going to dwell in this place and reside there as our home, or if we're going to reside elsewhere. And it's really just a matter of choice. Where are we placing our faith? Even Christ, when he was on the cross and he looked at the thief, that was next to him. He had the two thieves on the side, and one here was mocking him, saying, oh, you're the healer, aren't you? Get yourself off this cross if you're a healer. And the one on his other side said, you don't even know what you're talking about. This man did nothing wrong. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the will of God, to take us, thieves, liars, deceivers, and bring us into paradise to be with him. That's the will of God. He made us to be with him. And that desire from the very beginning has never changed. He continues to will that no matter that crazy, no matter what we find ourselves in the mix of, no matter what kind of choices that we make that don't bring him glory, he still wills for us to be with him. He wants to bring us to that place. And even so, even while he's committed entirely to bringing us to himself, we now have that choice to make. And that choice is what results in the separation, the separating of the good and the bad. So we choose where we will be separated to. We have to accept him the same way that he has chosen and accepted us and called us out. Okay, we've dealt with that part of the parable. Now let's come into where I think the Lord really wants us to, to settle in today. There's another way that we can see this parable, and he's talking about casting of the nets, right? It's very important in Scripture. Whenever you read Scripture, we don't just open it and just read a couple lines and kind of pluck out what we think the meaning is. That was originally spoken or written to a specific person or group of people. And so we have to take into context, who was this being written to? What was the intended meaning? How did they hear what was being said? And so in this parable, we need to do that. Who was being spoken to? And what was their understanding of it? See, Jesus in Matthew 13, he's not talking to the crowds. It says earlier in the chapter that all the crowds had gone away and that they went into the house. So he's speaking with just 
his disciples here. Just his dozen or so disciples, if they were all in attendance that day. So he's got a small crowd here, and this is who he's speaking to. And let me remind you, too, who at least half, if not more, of these men were. Their first encounter with Jesus was in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to read for you 18 through 22. And it says this. This is when Jesus first encountered the disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. Oh, interesting. The first time he ever encountered them, they were casting a net into the lake. Okay. And they, because they were fishermen. Verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Huh? At once they left their nets and followed him. 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, preparing their nets. Okay, so these are more fishermen. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father followed them. His first encounter, he's talking to to these men who were not yet his disciples. He was inviting them in. These were fishermen by vocation. This was like their career. This is what they did. And so he says to them, I will make you fishers of people, of men. And here now, fast forward a few chapters in Matthew 13, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast out into the sea. Now, we talk about the separation. The separation of the good and bad, that's not our role. It says very clearly in verse 50, the angels will come and they will do the separating. So I look at verses 47 and 48, the casting of the net, and then the pulling in when the net has become full. Okay, that's the place where we, we, where we reside. That's the place where there's, there's, there's a, um, a role for us to fill. So what are the disciples hearing when they say the kingdom of heaven is like casting a net? Oh, I'm familiar with that and everything that is entailed in casting the net. They're hearing this. They're being invited into the work. There's a job for them to do. He wants them to participate in this kingdom of heaven, in this gathering of people to pull it ashore so that that separation can then happen. He wants us to be part of that. He invites us in to participate and doesn't just, doesn't just invite us in either because the Lord doesn't kind of just kind of come, all right, come on, come on, just, just follow me here. No, no, he invites us in and then empowers us, equips us, teaches us everything that we need to know. He wants to link arms with us so that we now are invested in this thing. We're not doing anything out of obligation, but no, he wants to make us uh, skilled in this work of casting the nets and pulling in the catch. So there's a few, and I think this is hugely relevant too, let me, let me say this, for what the Lord here is doing here at Graceway Church. I've had a, com- a number of conversations with uh, many of you throughout the, con- uh, throughout the congregation. And what, there's this sense that the Lord is stirring in this place and giving emphasis and giving place to teaching, the teaching of the Word of God, who He is. There's an emphasis being felt in, the, in regards to training to come to know, well, this is who He is, and this is how it works out in our lives. The training, teaching, the training, the equipping, having the right tools, and knowing how to use those tools in the work. 
And then finally, the sending. Because he doesn't teach and train and equip to sit in our seat. But he teaches and trains and equips to send us out. Where is the school of fish today? Go to that place and cast your nets in that place. And so this is what I see in this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the casting of the nets. This is our opportunity to go and join the Lord in the work. The work is going on. And the truth is, regardless of whether or not we choose to participate in it, it will continue to go on. But this is our blessing and this is our opportunity to grab a hold of the net and keep in stride with the Lord and watch how he's doing this. What skills are involved? How do I go about this? How can I have a hand in, the, in building the kingdom of heaven? He's inviting us into build the kingdom of heaven. Not just sit back and watch. Oh, you're doing a good job, Lord. That's good. I like that. I'm going to like that room a lot. No, no. Not to sit back and watch it happen. He wants you to invest and help build with him. We are his children. He loves us. You know, going back uh, a, number, a number of years, honestly, almost as far back as I can remember, I have always wanted to have a son, my own son. Like literally, like going back to my childhood, like 10, 11 years old, I can remember it being like, man, I can't wait to have a son. Just teach him the ways. At 10 years old, I'm thinking this. <laughs> and so something in me, just I always had that, that longing, that desire to have a son and, to, and to, to train him up in the way that he should go, you know. And so then, back in 2006, my prayer was finally answered, and Elijah came along. And since he's been around, even since he was two, three years old, <laughs> you know, since he was two and three years old, um, we have always done things together. Little projects around the house, fixing things here and there. When, literally, like, could hardly stand on his two feet, but he'll be there with a screwdriver in hand, like, watching these things happen, just because he always had, had this desire just to be with Dad, whatever, he, whatever I was doing. He couldn't do any work, but he wanted to be there watching it and have his hands on as much as he was allowed to. I remember even, um, even just mowing the lawn when he was just a little blob like this, holding him up here. He just wanted to be with Dad. And so I was just pushing the lawnmower back and forth, just holding him. And he was content just watching the mower go back and forth and back and forth. Just wanted to be with, with Dad. And I just wanted to be with me, too. I love those moments. Those are some of the most fond moments to me, just having him in my arms and pushing that mower back and forth. There's nothing more peaceful. Like, everything in the world was, was good in those moments. You know? And when I think about that, I think about the Lord's heart for us. He has a Father's heart. He is a good, perfect, and holy Father. I'm not. But that was, even that was special to me, just to have him there. And so the father looks upon us and he's like, I just want you with me. Like, first things first. Yeah, I'm going to invite you to build. We'll, we'll get to that. But that's like second, third, fourth place. First, I just, I just want you with me. I'm doing the work and the work's going to go on. But just come watch me. Just come watch how it happens. Just learn from me. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, this is where Jesus said... Um, the scripture of take my yoke upon you and learn from me. God is teaching us. Actively teaching us. And so now it's simply ours to tune in and be aware of his presence. Because the learning happens by, by being with. There's something, there's something that goes wrong, that gets lost in translation, if we think that we're going to learn from the Lord from 
two rows away from across the room. All right, I can kind of make out what you're doing. I can kind of see it. can't quite see the details, but I think he's, he's taking the tool and he's, he's bending it. No, he doesn't teach us from afar like this. First things first, he wants us to be with him. And as we're into that close proximity, like in his face, that's where we see hands-on training, right? We watch what he's doing, and that's how we learn in that place of closeness with the Father. If that closeness isn't there, we're not going to get it. We might get it here. Some of the ideas, the logic might make sense, but to get it to sink into here to where we own it, you know like there's knowledge that you can kind of, you can comprehend, but you don't own it. You have to strain to grasp it. He wants us to really know it. He wants us to own that. He wants the love and the fullness of who he is to, to be residing in us in all of its fullness. And that happens only through proximity to him. There's no other way to download that into our spirit, but by being with him. He's, he's teaching us. The second thing he's doing is this, training. He's training us. Now, teaching and training, they, they go hand in hand. They're quite similar. But training, there's another aspect of it. There's like actually getting your hands on it and beginning to practice that thing and kind of making it your own. Training has been defined this way. To train is to develop or form habits, thoughts, and behaviors or to make proficient by instruction and practice. The Lord is forming in us new habits. He's he's renewing our mind, and as we're spending the time with him, our minds are being conformed to his. His thoughts become our thoughts. His ways become our ways. You know, the idea of the yoke that we just read of in Matthew uh, 11... Was it Matthew 11, 28 and 29? He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You know, not long ago, I was talking to someone about this, this scripture and the idea of this yoke, how Jesus is inviting us into this yoke. But the truth is, he invited us into not a single yoke, but it's that dual yoke, that double yoke. Is everyone familiar with, with what a yoke is? It's basically this wooden harness that would fasten around the back of the neck of these oxen. And it would fasten around them so that it could be attached to chains or ropes to pull a plow and plow the field. And so we think, oh, that's such a beautiful thing. He invites us into his yoke because it's easy. He's giving us easy work. But there's more to it than that. He invited us into his yoke. He's doing the work. Remember, he's already at work around us. He's pulling the plow. And he invited us, he's inviting us into because it's easy, it's light, and we learn from him. Well, a common practice, especially in in Bible times here, of this, um, of farming, when you're putting the oxen into the plow, is this, or into the yoke. When you, you would have a young ox, and they have to learn the ways, you would fasten them into with an older, more mature, experienced ox. And they would be fastened together. So you've got one huge beast of an animal, and then kind of like one younger little one here next to it. And they're unequally yoked. They're unequally yoked. So the truth is, when you have one that's standing yay high, and then you've got one three or four feet over here, and they're pulling together, the little guy's not doing much work. 
Matter of fact, there's no weight on them whatsoever. It's probably making it harder for that mature, seasoned oxen than anything else. It would be easier if he just did the work by himself because now he's going to get this little tag-along to pull with him. (laughs) The truth is, that young ox wasn't really pulling any weight and it wasn't even bearing anything on its shoulders. But what it was learning to do was walk in a straight line. Because when you have a young ox, you can't get it to walk straight. They're kind of just, they wander around the field like this. He's just learning from that older, mature ox just to walk that straight line. And as he learns to walk that line, and as he spends time with that older ox, now he's growing bigger, he's growing stronger. And eventually, once he has learned, he's been trained, hands-on training. Now he can put his hands to the plow or neck to the plow. (laughs) And he can actually do that work. So the Lord is inviting us to this place of rest in this scripture, Matthew chapter 11. He's inviting to this place of rest because even when we're yoked, we're not bearing the weight. We're at, re- at rest and at peace in this place because we're standing next to him who's really doing the work. We're just watching him do the work the way that he does. <clears throat> now, I don't know about any of you guys, but for me, I'm about the worst fisherman that I know. Getting back to the nets here. Every time that I go, like, honestly, fishing is more of a set of a, um, a frustration to me. Like, I'll leave, I'll leave the lake or the ocean, like, more frustrated than when I went. And, and it's kind of contrary, because I know a lot of guys, they go fishing to get away from it all and just be at peace. And I'd rather go and just sit there and just stare at the water. And that's what I do when I fish anyway. <laughs> but um, honestly, like every time I go, and I don't know how she does it, but Arabella, my daughter, shows me up every single time. She, every time we go, she ends up pulling something up. One time we went down to the pier, and we're just sitting there. And mind you, we all had the same bait, similar rods, and we're, we're out there fishing at the pier. And all of a sudden she gets a tug on hers. And we pull this thing up, and now again, not only am I horrible, I'm also inexperienced, so it kind of works together. She pulls up this, this, this thing, and it's this, the weirdest looking fish I had ever seen. Like it was, you guys have seen, um, I, I came to learn that it was a, uh, oh, what was it? No, no, it was both eyes, like the whole face was like on one side. A flounder. I looked at the thing, she pulled it out of the water, I said, oh, what is that thing? You look like a monster. <laughs> I didn't want to take it off the rod. <laughs> and this thing was a good size, too. And then later on, I was telling someone about it. They're like, oh, that's good eating. You should have taken that thing home. Although I don't know if that's where you want to take it home, because I hear that there's some waste that runs off in the water there. <laughs> but you know what? Like I said, for me, whenever I go fishing, man, it's just kind of like a... And every time I go, I'm like, okay, maybe this time. I've got, I've, I know a little bit more than the last time. This time's going to be the time. I'm going to get something. And then, no, it just never works out. <laughs> but thankfully for me and for all of us, really, when it comes to casting the nets for the kingdom, he's not leaving us out there on our own. He doesn't say, okay, I've invited you in. You're, you're willingly accepted. Here's your net. Here's your gear. Go do it. No, no. First things first, he wants us to be with him. He teaches us. And he trains us, and then we begin to do the work with him. And so when we're following the Lord's pattern, we can't fail. There is only blessing and favor in that place. Because at the end of the day, too, yeah, we want our nets to be full, and we want to pull it to shore. 
But let me tell you, no matter how many fish are in my net when I pull it to shore, God is glorified with the effort. The work that we do is for him, not for anybody else. Everyone else is secondary for him. He's pleased with you when you willingly take up the net and then cast it into the sea. He's pleased with that. And you don't have to be, oh, God, it's not as fruitful as I wanted it to be. I was really hoping for 50 fish and I came up with 10 today. No, no, no. He's just pleased with the fact that you willingly accepted it and chose to invest in building the kingdom. And so no matter what the result is, no matter what fruit comes out of it or is lacking, no matter if I go in and throw my net in and I got nothing once again, he's pleased. He's a loving father that still has that warm smile on his face and just embraces me and said, I'm so proud of you, son. I love you. That's our God. He teaches us, he trains us, and he also equips us. This means that he provides for us whatever that we need for any undertaking that he gives to us. He doesn't just send us out there and, and okay, you got the know-how, now go do it. Well, we also need, we need the nets. We need the weights that are going to carry, carry it down into the water so we can actually get a hold of those fish. In 1 Peter chapter, uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says that God's divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. A number of years ago, uh, I owned an old, beat-up Chevy Monte Carlo. And, uh, you know, it wasn't very pretty to look at, but I was still able to get from point A to point B, so it kind of worked out. But it wasn't too long after I, I owned this vehicle that uh, something started to go wrong on it. The steering was kind of funny. So I climbed under the hood, or in the wheels, kind of look at what's going on there, and one of the tie rods had become disconnected. And so the tie rod is what connects the steering wheel to your front wheels. I don't know if you remember this story, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have the right equipment, you see? (laughs) So I see this, this tie rod which had become disconnected, so now the wheel was disconnected from my steering wheel. So if you turn this way, the wheel just kind of stays straight. So I kind of, I said, oh man, I need to buy myself some time, and I need to save up some money. I was fresh out of high school. And so I'm like, okay, I put the clip back into, it, into, into the place. Okay, now it's together, but now I need to hold it there. So I took a metal, it wasn't a plastic zip tie. It was a coat hanger. <laughs> I took this coat hanger and bent it around to try to hold the tire attached to the steering wheel, okay? And for the first day, it felt a little wobbly, but it kind of worked. And then the next day, I'm driving down a hill, and the, the hill kind of takes this, this sharp left turn. And as I cut the wheel, I'm like, and the car's still going straight. Like, what's going on? This isn't good. So I try to, like, cut it back and, like, catch the wheel and pull it again and by the grace of God, the car did turn, and I was able to get off the road. <laughs> but you know, that, that, lesson, that lesson taught me um, a very important thing. We, you have to use the right equipment for the job. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of hard-headed. The Lord has to teach me through these, like physically, I have to learn these things. Because again, here to here to here is a, a lot different. <laughs> the qu- equipment that we're working with, the materials that we are using when we're putting our efforts forth, it makes all the difference because we can have the absolute best intentions in the world and have a smile on our face and say, I'm going to do this for the Lord. 
But if we don't go about it with the right tools, the right materials, then it's not going to be, we're not going to get anywhere with it. When I was out of high school, my first job was working, I apprenticed with a building company. And one of the things that this guy taught me, didn't just teach me, but he showed me was this. Uh, a, a, a carpenter, even a master carpenter, is only as good as the tools that he uses. You can have all the know-how and know exactly what to do. But if you've got no tools, you've got nothing to work with. And if the tools you have are chintzy and they're, and they're flimsy and they're not going to work, then that's going to reflect in your final product. It's going to show in what you have at the end of the day. We're only as good as the tools that we're putting to use. And thankfully, the Father that we serve doesn't just show us what to do and then send us out there, but He gives us everything that we need to get the job done. Everything that we need, we have. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit that distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Every single one of us has things that have been planted in us, equipment, gifts, talents that have been planted in you that he wants to nurture. He wants to nourish these things and give them strength so that they come out of you. And then you use that. That's the equipment, if you will, that you, that you have inherited from the Lord himself. And every piece of equipment that he has placed and deposited in you was put there on purpose. The equipment that you have isn't kind of like, oh, I, I got this left hanging around in the closet. I'll throw this one in her and, and he can have this. And No, it's all with intentionality. Everything that you have is meant there to be used for the glory, the glory of the Lord. It's all there. Now, different kinds of equipment is specialized for different types of work. And this is why, this is why it's so important for us to come together as one church, one body. We all have different gifts and we all need to offer what we've been given to the building of God's church. This is our purpose, to build his kingdom. And that's what this whole parable is all about, casting out the nets. He's inviting us to to participate in building his kingdom. And we do that by being with him and learning from him. We do that by, by being trained by the Lord himself. We do that by tapping into the equipment that he's deposited in us to give, to give credence to that and recognize, okay, I see this in me. How can I grow that? How can I learn more about how to use that? We're taking that equipment and using it to the building of God's church. This is his desire for us. And there's one other thing with this, again, with the teaching, the training, the equipping, it's not just to keep in our pockets to say, hey, I could do that if I wanted to. No, no. It's with purpose. He wants to send us. The Lord is sending us. In Romans 10, verse 14, it says, How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? We, as God's people, are a sent people. The the last uh, sentence in this scripture, As it is written, how beautiful are the people of those who bring the good news. The Lord has taught us, trained us, and equipped us with purpose so that he can send us and so that we may cast our net into the sea and bring in that fish, bring in that full net to the Lord. So that he can do with it as he sees fit. 
He wants us to build with him. Now the sending, it might end up, it might be our kids going to school on Monday morning, going to our job every day. You've been sent to that place. That wasn't an accident. God, God didn't kind of you know, just put you here and be like, all right, figure something out. You need to feed yourself, so find a job. <laughs> no, every place that you step your foot, you've been sent to. And that, that's very easy for us to, to forget because in this, in, this, in this physical world, we get caught up in a lot of uh, turmoil, a lot of circumstances. People, things can get very um, dramatic, maybe we would say. A lot of friction, a lot of conflict, a lot of these things. And honestly, just a lot of distraction, to be honest with you. And so all these things, even if it's one little thread at a time, it all pulls one little thread at a time of our attention off of the fact that we are here on purpose and he has sent us to every place that we go. I'm standing here before you and each of you are here sitting where you are this morning because you've been sent here. And when you leave... And you go back to your homes, you've been sent there. Tomorrow, when you go on with your days, you've been sent there. And you've been sent there with purpose. You've been sent there to cast the net. This casting of the net, this is, this is us uh, preaching the word of God through our, through our life, through our interaction, through our example. The casting of the net is this, being, allowing Christ to live through you. This is how we cast our nets. It's not that complicated. And we learn that as we get closer and closer to his heartbeat. And he shows us. When we're with him, we see how simple and easy it truly is. Just be with me. And we learn from that. The most fruitful and productive that we can be to, to grow the kingdom is by being with the Father. Because that's what it's all rooted in. Being with the Father so that we can learn and train and equip and then effectively be sent. I want to remind you of this one last scripture before we close this morning. In John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, Jesus appeared to his disciples while they were out uh, in the boat. They had been out fishing through the night, casting the nets out all night long, and nothing was coming in. And then Jesus sees them, and he appears to them while they are still out on the boat, and he says, Friends! Do you have any fish? No, they answered. Verse 6 of, 20, of chapter 21. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with the fish on it and some bread. In this story where Jesus had appeared to his disciples, they had been there fishing and casting their nets out all night long, and it was fruitless. They didn't catch a single fish. And so Jesus says, throw it on the right side. They said, I threw it on the right side about 50 times over the past three hours. I got nothing. He said, no, no, throw it on the right side. You'll get some. And sure enough, when they cast their nets, 
There was so much there, they weren't even able to pull it onto the boat. They had to tug it to shore, to pull it ashore. Sometimes in the work of our casting of our nets, of living by example and trying to be the light to our community, we feel like it's just fruitless. We're casting the net out and there's nothing to show for it. At the end of the day, the Lord is sovereign. He is the one who's going to give us the instruction and show us where and how and when. Because a lot of times, it's about the right place and the right time and the right working of the Lord. He is at work in our hearts and our midst. Be aware He's teaching you now. And you learn faster and better when we're, the closer that we are to Him. We can represent Him accurately when we're actually with Him. He's training you. He's equipping you. And He's sending you. Let's do that intentionally on purpose and not kind of just be carried along by it. Because the Holy Spirit will carry us along. But when we're aware of what he's doing, now we can be intentional about this and say, I am moving with you. I see the current of the Holy Spirit here, and I'm putting my paddle in the water, and I'm paddling with the current. I'm moving with him. I'm not going to let things just happen to me. I'm going to join the Lord in this work. Let's respond to his invitation to help build the kingdom with him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us and for the fact that you, man, not only have you brought us back to yourself, Lord, have you redeemed our purpose and our, our reason for living, but even as you've done that, God, you haven't just drawn us back to yourself and just given us a seat to plop in and just wait for all things to happen, but you've invited us to link arms with you and do the work of building your kingdom. Father, I thank you that you've given us your Son, I thank you that you have wiped away all of our transgressions so that we can be with you now. And God, we want to glorify you in that, Lord. As our, our, our heart's response to what you have done for us is, give us something to do. We want to live for you, God. Father, we want to build your kingdom because we know that you are a good God. And we know that anyone who is living in the darkness, they don't realize that you are a good God. We want them to know that. We want them to experience the kingdom of heaven just like we are. And so, God, I pray that you would empower each and every one of us in this place. Empower us, God, to build your kingdom. And you know where each one of us individually stand. You know where we're at in the training process, in the, in the teaching, and the training, and the equipping process. And so I pray that the way that you do... Speak to our hearts individually today. Draw our attention to that place where you want us to focus in on. To the thing that you're showing us today to learn from you. Are you calling us to, to that place of quietness to just be with you? Have we been with you and there's something specifically you're trying to train us in? Make us aware of it, Father. Maybe we've been with you and there's things that you've planted in our hearts. There's seeds of potential in us that we've not yet recognized. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the things that you've equipped us with and show us how to grow those things and how to use it to put those tools to work of the building of the kingdom. And we pray in all these things, Lord God, that you would continue to build your kingdom in our hearts so that as we build, we're only building out of the, what you have built within us. 
We're only speaking of things that we have heard from you. We're only doing things that we have watched you do. We're only loving people the way that you have loved us. Send us, Father, to every place that we go and remind us as we go through this week that every place that we step our foot is a place that we've been sent by you, the Lord God. We love you, Holy Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you, family. Have a great day.